Welcome to Thrive Lathrop Podcast. Here at our church, we believe that everyone can thrive. Make sure to subscribe to our channel and enjoy this life-changing message. What a morning. Come on now. This is good stuff. Excited for you guys to be in the room today. And uh, I don't know about you, but I just feel like God's doing something really special. Just in this season, right? We're buying chairs. We're launching small groups. Uh, the building's almost up. But, but more than that, there, there is just a, a presence. There is just a wave that God is just releasing. And I'm just so grateful to be a part of this house and to be part of a people who want Jesus more than anything. And I just want to let you know that if you're here and you're a part of this house, thank you for all the things, all the stuff that we're going after. And let's continue to go after. And if you're new here, welcome. That's kind of like a normal Sunday, which is kind of really cool that now moments like what happened this morning are normal. Come on, Jesus. That's just so good. That's just so good. All right. Good stuff. Good stuff. I, um, so I, uh, Okay. Um, I, I have a, <laughs> La, so, so last week, just, uh, in our bilingual service, um, I shared this a little bit at our prayer room on Friday. Last week, our, our bilingual service, we didn't even like have service. We, uh, and, and our bilingual service is a little smaller, but the presence of God just invaded the room and we literally just worshiped for an hour singing the same song. And, and for some of you in the room that are like, oh, gosh, I don't know if I can do that one. Like, I need someone to talk to me, and that's why I came to church. I get it. I, I get it. I just, um, you know, what I, what I want to make sure, and I, and I shared this with uh, some people in the prayer room on Friday, and I would love to have you the one of this Friday, but um, I want you to know that what, what we're experiencing in this house, we're getting tastes of what I believe God's going to do in a greater way. I believe God's given, the way I describe it is uh, God's given us some Costco samples of what he wants to do. Hey, now, come on. I know some of y'all are ghetto, and you used to go on lunch dates at Costco because it was free. Come on now, and you even stole your mama's card because you didn't want to get your own Costco card. So I, I just got a text right now. I, I, I actually went through. When I get texts of, you know, you, that we don't have enough room, and, and, and God's just erupting in worship, and even the production team just had a moment where they just were like, hey, we just need to lift up our hands and engage with what God's doing in the room. Like the presence of God is so heavy that even teams are stopping what they're doing because Jesus needs to be glorified in that moment. And I just, you know, reports of our kids doing altar call, your kids, they're doing altar calls and they're praying for the sick in the back and, 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 and God is moving and, and, and young people and even older people getting visions and dreams of God moving in the house. And I just, I just get a sense that something's shifting and I don't know what, but I'm here for it. And, and, and I want to acknowledge it because I think what we can do is we can just think this is good church and we can just get entitled. But man, there's something deeper than that. I, and I shared this with, with, the, with the prayer room on Friday, uh, with the people that were in the prayer room on Friday, that Holy Spirit doesn't have to move the way he's moving. But he's doing it because he wants to. And I just think, man, how much more does God want to do in us? And I'm just so excited for this season. So come on, can we just honor God and what he's doing in this house? More than the leadership, more than the staff, more than our, our people. Just thank Jesus that, man, he's wanting to move. And I just, I, I just think that's so important. Hey, so let's do this. Let's stand to our feet. I'm going to jump into a message that I, I hope I have enough time to share. I feel like this is happening every week. So I'm just going to go with it as much as, my, as much as we can. And I'm just so excited 
for what God's doing in the room. And so let's do this. We're going to read the passage. We're continuing our series called If, which we're talking about prayer and the presence of God and how to prioritize our walk in the place of prayer and in our place of communicating with Jesus and talking with Jesus and deepening that part of our life. And so let's go ahead and read the passage, which is our passage for the next seven, eight weeks, which is 2 Corinthians, 2 Corinthians, 2 Chronicles, wrong book. That's in the New Testament. So 2 Chronicles chapter 7, verse 14, it says this. It says, if my people who are called by my name, and everybody say, humble themselves. Humble themselves and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways. Then I will hear from heaven. I will forgive their sins and I will heal their land. Family, let's pray. Jesus, thank you for this word. Thank you for what you're doing in the house. Let me get out of the way. God, let you speak to the people who need to hear you this morning. And thank you, God, for what you're doing in this place. It's a dream come true. And I pray that you would continue to move. We love you. We thank you. In Jesus' name, everyone said, amen. 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 Have a seat. Have a seat. So today, I want to I share with you, and, and first service, it was kind of a little bit to the heart, and I think that's what's going to happen right now. I want to talk to you today about humility in prayer. And I believe that this is so vital in our culture today. This is so vital in our society today. It, it is so crucial in our conversations as people who follow Jesus because I believe that this is the DNA. This has to be the DNA of people who say yes to God and who want to try to follow Jesus, want to grow, want to mature in Jesus. We need a, a healthy understanding of humility. And the reason why I believe now more than ever is because the world, the, the, everyone out there in a sense, I'm not saying that if you're in here, you're also legit. Like, come on, we're on work in progress. But how many of you know that the world is so arrogant? The world is it, just, you don't need to go far to check the magazines and television and the movies that, that, that we have come into a season where arrogance has become the new normal. And, and what I am concerned about is that we as a church, and I don't necessarily think this is happening right now, but it might, that we as a church and as a people who would say, yes, we're following Jesus, would become just as arrogant as the world. I want you to understand something that's very, very important, which I think is very crucial to understand in talking about the context of humility and the place of prayer, is that humility is so vital because humility is one of the fastest ways we can access Jesus. It talks about it all throughout scripture. And then when we begin to merge that with our life and the lifestyle of prayer, because that's the series where we're, we're kind of designing it in the framework of prayer. There, there is something that God begins to move and shift in our hearts and when we begin to pray, when we begin to go to God in the place of humility. And so I wanna make this statement, which I think is very important, and I think this is the main kind of thought for the conversation today, is, is our heart in the right place? Because some of you who've gone to church for a while, some of you are newer, that's okay, but some of you know this, that you can do a lot of Christian things, but your heart is in the wrong place. And I want you to know that as for myself, and I believe this is what God is calling our house to, is this idea of wholeheartedness, that we're not just doing Christian activity and just do, now, now I get it. Like sometimes you just gotta do things when you don't like it, for sure. Like some of y'all know this, like the gym analogy is a great analogy. Some of y'all just know that I just gotta get to the gym, that's half the battle. No one goes to the gym, gets there and is like, never mind, I'm going home. It's a waste of time. I understand that. So understand, sometimes you got to smile when you don't want to smile, and you got to say hi to people you don't want to say hi to, and 
you got to pray when maybe you don't want to pray, and, and you got to do things. But, but there comes a point where your, if, if in your behavior, in your activity, in your action, your heart doesn't begin to align with the action, then what you're actually doing is religion and not wholehearted prayer and worship. I don't want you to know that religion never saved anyone. Only Jesus does. I want you to know that although orthodoxy is important and it's valuable and it's special and I don't believe that traditions are from hell, traditions can become idols and they can become other gods. And we, when we begin to worship the methods of how we worship Jesus rather than worshiping Jesus, things get all wrong. How do we avoid that is we get our heart in the right place. Because I don't know if you know this, but most of this Christian walk has more to do what happens invisibly in your life than actually what's in the physical. Your heart is the thing that Jesus died for. Therefore, your heart needs to look like him. See, the beautiful thing, I want to just share a couple thoughts on this. Humility is the soil in which the things of God can grow. I believe that nothing can grow in the kingdom unless it's planted in a soil of humility. Humility is one of the, not just the main thing, it is one of the main things that is probably up there out of everything else. And, and particularly in the context of prayer, we have to allow ourselves to be humble so that way God could do what he wants to do. See, Jesus, or God, speaks to the people of Israel in 2 Chronicles 17, verse, or 7, verse 14, and he says, humble yourselves. Everybody say, humble yourselves. Humble yourselves. Therefore, that must mean that the nation of Israel was arrogant and needed to humble themselves. Like sometimes we think that God's just putting things in the Bible for funsies and he's not. There's probably a reason. And the reason being is because the things that he's saying, he's having to address the situations of people that he's talking to. Therefore, that principle still remains today. We would have to believe that there is still pride and arrogance because we're human. And therefore, we need to allow the word of God. We need to allow the presence of God. We need to allow uh, people who know the word of God to begin to challenge us in the place of humility. So that way we become more like him and less like everywhere else. Not only is, I believe, humility the soil in which things grow, I believe humility is the home that Jesus wants to dwell in, since a home of humility is most like him. What do I mean by home? I'm not talking about your own house. I'm actually talking about you, your heart, your home. And listen, I want you to know this, that Jesus loves sinners. Jesus loves hanging out with broken, dirty, messed up, jacked up, screwed up people. Thank God, because he hung out with someone like me. However, Jesus walked with people who are willing to be humble. And I want you to understand that I want to get you past the point of experience and into the point of following Jesus. I believe anyone in this house can experience Jesus because Jesus loves broken, hurting people. Anyone can experience the love of Jesus. That's what we believe in this place. However, I want you to get past the point of experience, one experience or just moments with God and get you into a place where you have a lifestyle with Jesus and what attracts Jesus in your life is a heart of humility. It's a heart of humility. Absolutely, it's a heart of humility. And so it's the home that Jesus wants to make a, a resting place in. A, he wants to dwell. He wants to, he wants to be with you in the context of humility. And the reason being is because Jesus is humility. The Bible talks about it in Philippians chapter 2 where the Bible says that Paul begins to write about how even though God, Jesus, was in the form of God, he decided to humble himself and become a servant with man to the point of dying on the cross. Therefore, because of that, every knee will bow and every tongue confess that Jesus Christ is Lord. That's what Philippians 2 will say. And I am just wondering in this season, 
that maybe if we're going to see prodigals come home and people get saved, right? That idea of every knee bowing, meaning surrender and giving their life to Jesus and every tongue confessing, meaning open confession and, and actually saying that Jesus is Lord and actually allowing that to believe in their heart. The, the pathway or the doorway to that, I believe, is a prayer that is married to humility. I am wondering if there are certain people we're praying for that are not coming to the Lord, not because God doesn't want to answer, but because we've turned them off of our pride and our arrogance. The church can't look like the world. We know this. That's a very Christianese thing to say. We think of it, though, in the context of sin behavior, right? We think of it in the context of whatever, music or culture. Or, and, I, and I think that's valid in some point, right? Sexuality, all those things, for sure. But let's also not neglect heart posture. It doesn't matter if you're not sleeping around, but yet you're prideful and arrogant. It doesn't matter if you don't smoke or drink, yet you sound more like how the devil sounded when he was prideful than actually Jesus. And what the world, I think, needs now more than ever before is people of humility. Because I want you to know that in the kingdom, humility is power. It is not weakness. This is how Jesus flexed. Come on now, fellas. Come on, I know y'all got some good selfies in your 20s before they were selfies. Ever remember the old flip phones and the camera was all jacked up, anybody? I used to have a razor, they were fire. This is how Jesus flexes his power. He doesn't come with an army. He doesn't come with powers that be. He doesn't come conquering kingdoms. He flexes his power by dying on a cross and being the humblest of humble and the lowest of low so that we can have access to the Father. I want you to understand this, that humility is in your DNA as someone who is transformed by the love of Jesus. It is also required by us to fall in love with humility so that we can have the right heart so that way we can follow God. What the world will teach you is that as long as you're the most prideful and the most arrogant, you'll get the best status and you'll climb the, most, you'll climb the highest ladder and you'll do all the things that, that this, will, this will happen or that will happen and this is the way to get it. But Jesus says the opposite in Matthew 5 where he said, blessed are the meek, the, the, the humble that will inherit the earth. I want you to know that your inheritance as a son or a daughter is attached to your level of humility. And therefore, I just wonder that if we're struggling in this room with pride or arrogance, some of us in the room are for sure, I wonder if the reason why you're struggling with pride and arrogance and every other relationship in your life is because you don't have a proper heart of humility in the relationship with you and Jesus. Because if you're arrogant with God, you're gonna be arrogant with everybody else. I also want you to understand this, which is my next point, is that pride, pride is absolutely, the enemy of humility is pride. I'm gonna say that again. I think we all know that. The enemy of humility is pride. I want everyone to understand this theologically. That the thing that kicks Satan out of heaven, if you didn't know this, Satan was an angel. Satan was actually a worship angel. So he was like Pastor Juan, but Pastor Juan's not Satan, I'm just saying. <laughs> Got down on the guitar and all the instruments. Yeah. Says he was beautiful. Angel. Worshiping unto God. The Bible says that his pride 
was the main reason because he wanted to be worshiped instead of the father. I'm paraphrasing. That's a whole series in another time. We can get into the theology of pre-existence and, and like heaven and hell. Like I'm not trying to do all that. That's another series for another day. But I want to establish a, a theological baseline that we can all comprehend is that the reason why, which is very scriptural, that Satan ended up getting casted out into hell and why the demons followed him, which were also fallen angels, was because he was prideful. Therefore, I'm going to just get up in the Kool-Aid. Therefore, when you are prideful and you are arrogant, you are supposed to sound and look like Jesus, but your life looks more like hell. And family, we have to repent of that. As a church, we have to repent of that. As people, we have to repent of that. We have to allow a consistent heart of humility, weekend and week out. Why? Because I don't want to be the thing that God had to get rid of in heaven. Not that I think God's going to get rid of me, but I don't want any association with the enemy of God versus me being a son and daughter. Even the small little things. See, see the, the truth is, is all of us are, are prideful. Let's, let's just be honest. There's, there's little things we're all prideful about, but, but the problem with the pride is it begins to form us into an image that's not like Jesus, and therefore we're not like him. And, and I speak from experience because, listen, there's things that everyone struggles with, right? Like everyone has things they're better at, and there's, there's things that people aren't good at. Some people are naturally kind. Some people aren't kind. Some people are naturally gracious. Some people aren't gracious. Some people aren't necessarily arrogant. I was the one. I was super arrogant and super prideful, and I still am, and I still need Jesus to heal my heart. What I do, though, is I let myself in the place of prayer go before Jesus and say, Jesus, do what you need to do. That's the topic I want to talk about today. I'm not saying you're not going to maybe struggle with pride and arrogance. No, no, no. What I'm trying to do is get you to the place of prayer where your arrogance and pride doesn't dictate your time with God. Because if I could be honest, you want to help me out? Want to help your pastors out? Do me a favor. Let God challenge you and correct you in your prayer time, not from one of us. You want to help us out? Let Jesus give you the pow-pow by yourself. <laughs> by the time it gets to me, yo, it's too late. It's been there forever. You know what I'm saying? That requires humility. That requires a heart posture that would say, I want to go after God, and I want to begin to let go of the pride and arrogance in my life. I love what Andrew Murray says. He says this. He says that humility is at the heart of all true prayer. And isn't that true? That I believe that prayer and humility are married together. That you can't have a real, authentic prayer life without a heart of humility. I believe the reason why some of us don't even have a prayer life is because we lack humility and family now more than ever before. I believe God needs to revive humility in our hearts again so that way we can do what God has called us to do. So let me give you just some practical examples. I mean, I could go through details and we can go through lists of different types of prides and humilities. I just have a few that I think would help someone in the room. And as I was preparing, that kind of helped me as I was talking through some things. So number one is that humility, let's just even, before we even get into the type of prayer, or in the technical side of prayer, let's just talk about prayer as a whole and even getting to the place of prayer. Humility creates space to pray, but pride leaves no margin for prayer. What do I mean by that? When you don't pray, I want you to understand this. When you don't pray, 
Not in a religious context. I'm not trying to get you to pray in a religious setting so you can feel better about yourself. That's not what I'm saying. I'm trying to get you to spend time with Jesus so you can become more like him. I'm trying to get your love to be revived again. I'm trying to get your heart back into the place of, of worship and, and devotion and fascination and beauty with God. Does that make sense? I'm talking about that when I'm talking about prayer. I'm not talking about prayer to get things. I'm talking about you and God becoming one. I'm talking about you and God getting to know each other. I'm talking about you not just coming on a Sunday and spending time with Jesus, but Jesus being part of every day of your life. Does that make sense? Because that's biblical Christianity, not Sunday church services. I want you to understand that. It is not my job to talk to God for you. It is your job to learn how to have a relationship with Jesus. Right? Okay, good, good. So then when you don't pray, what you're saying is, God, I can do more with my 24 hours than actually giving you some time and giving you my hours instead. When you don't allow time in your schedule to pray, what you're saying is, in a sense, it's an arrogance and a pride. You're saying, you know what, Jesus? I'm good. I don't need you. And I will only come to you when I need you. It's absolute pride. And what we then do, which we talked about a little bit last week, we next thing you know, we have a relationship with God like we do Target. And the only time we go to Target is when you need something. And God didn't die so that way he can be a target shopping list on your phone or an Amazon wish list. God died because he wanted you and he wanted your heart. When, when I don't make time to pray, I am saying that I can do more in my power than what God can do in his power. When I don't make time to pray, when I don't make time for Jesus, when I don't set myself up for the presence of God, what I'm telling God is that in pride and in arrogance, and you don't even know you're doing this, but it's prideful and arrogant because you're saying you don't need him, nor do you even want him unless there's something that you actually want. And what that will do, family, I'm not saying you're going to go to hell for it, but what it is going to do is going to produce shallow Christianity in your life, and you're going to always feel like you're stuck. I just believe that God died for something deeper than you feeling stuck every now and then. I want to tell you the solution is not another camp and not another conference and not a good church and not another good church service. Those things are powerful and God can use those things to revive and start things again. But the answer to the problem of our heart of feeling dead on the inside in a lot of ways is that we don't spend time with God just with us and God. But I came to tell you today that you have access to the Father because of the blood of the Son and the Holy Spirit wants to draw you into Jesus. Therefore, if you would allow humility to enter your heart, watch what God begins to do in your life. Okay. I know. I came in hot with that one. That was just number one. And look, I'm going to be real. Like, I read that one and I was like, yep, I don't. I... That's tough, Jesus, because I don't even do that. There's plenty of times where I don't make time and it's an arrogance of our heart that we need to begin to work in our lives. Number two, number two, is that humility requires authenticity but pride demonstrates a facade. I wanna tell you that God can't build on fake things. Now, I'm not saying you get to go to God and wild out, right? I'm not saying you get to go to God and just blatantly sin, that's not what I'm saying. But what I am saying is you need to let the masks and the costumes away and just go to God with authenticity and vulnerability. Humility says, God, here I am, even though I'm all messed up and screwed up. 
Because God can't build on something fake. And in a generation that is obsessed with Instagram filters and all these things that would make people look better, right? We have fallen in love with Photoshop. God is not about it. God wants the real you, the you that he designed you to be. And we, we talked about that last week in the identity thing, but I want to deepen it a little more because what I want you to understand is humility is actually the way how you let the false facade go. That's the, like, like some of you are like, well, how do I be me? Be humble. What does it mean to be humble? Stop being someone you're not by going to Jesus and say, Jesus, I don't know all everything. I don't know how to have it all together. I don't know what things are looking like, but God, I know I need you. You know, the beautiful thing about like David, guys like David and Paul and all these guys, Peter in scripture, is they were a mess, man. But they were so real with Jesus. They were so real with God. And God is not scared of our realness, but what he cannot do is move in our fakeness. Have you ever had a conversation with someone? Like you go to lunch or dinner, and the last like two, three hours, they were just blowing up Facebook about all their problems. And then you go hang out with them, and they act like everything's okay. It's like, bro, how you doing, bro? I'm so good. And it's like, girl, that's not what your Twitter said. You were talking about all this nonsense. And then we think we're going to go to God as if we got to hide things from him. Where Psalms 139 says, if you lay your bed in hell, he knows you're there. And if you lay your bed in heaven, he knows you're there. He's the one who knit you in your mother's womb. And he's the one that designed you. And he's always there with you. And he's never going to leave. And he knows what's going on. As if we can hide things from God. It's, it's, like, it's, it's like when Adam and Eve fell into sin and they decided to get some fig leaves and put, you know, some clothes on their body because they wanted to hide their shame and embarrassment. And God was like, what are you doing? And we do the same thing. We think that if we can hide our shame and embarrassment in the place of prayer, we think that God would like us more and we think that God would treat us better. But in all reality, God just wants you. He just wants you. And, and listen, I want you to understand that I'm not saying this is an excuse to be disrespectful. See, see, humility is not disrespect, right? I'm not saying that you get to be you, but then you get to be flippant and you're just cussing people out. Some of you are like, well, that's just me. That's how I am. Like, no, that's not how you are. You're just being dumb. Don't do that. Authenticity is not an excuse for disrespectfulness, but authenticity is a little messy. So, so I'll explain. So me and my wife, we've been working on some things in our marriage. Why? Because that's what healthy couples do. It's not like things are bad. It's just you work on your marriage. Whatever you work on, you'll get fruit from, right? You're not going to lose weight if you don't go to the gym. I'm just saying. You're just not. So we're going to work on our marriage. We've been working on our marriage. We've been working on communication in our marriage because how many married couples know that's a thing? That's a real thing. And, and listen, like, I love my wife. She's, in, she's still in the front. Oh, no, she left. Praise God. Oh, she's still here? Oh, just kidding. She's like, I see you. I see you, boo. We're going to see if you, you're going to get dinner tonight. Let's see what you say. <laughs> I do. I love my I, Like, she, if you've met Vanessa, she's, she's kind and she's super smart and she, she's, she's amazing. I, I really do say that. I'm just saying that because she's in the room and, like, I'm trying to get brownie points. Like, she, she is. But, but my wife, and I've said this before, like, she's from Stockton. She'll shank you. Stab. Stab, stab, heart. You know, knife, turn, stab. So, 
I don't know if any of y'all fellas, you got a wife like that. I'm just saying. So what I've been doing, what we've been doing in my marriage, in our marriage, is, is we need to work on communication, right? We, we, need, to, we need to grow deeper. And, and so here's how, what we need to work on is I overprocess everything. I don't know if that's you in the room, but I want to talk about it all again and again and again and again to the point where I'm annoying myself. You ever talk so much that you're annoying yourself? That's me. I put myself to sleep talking. I, pr- I feel so bad because my daughter's the same way. She just talks and talks when I talk, and I don't even know what she's saying, but she's just talking. And I'm like, oh, you're going to be that one, girl. Okay, we'll pray for you. Yeah, so, so my wife doesn't. My wife doesn't like to talk. That's okay. But I need her to talk because I need to know where we're at. I need to- so then I'm like, babe, I just need you to talk to me. I don't care how it comes out. Just talk to me. I don't know why I said that. Yo. When I say I asked for the smoke, the smoke came. So we've been in a season where she just doesn't matter. She's just raw. She just like just says whatever. She's not disrespectful. She's not disrespectful to me. But, but she, she comes in hot. And, and I, I try not to get mad because I caused it. I'm the one that said, yeah. I, this is what I said. I said, babe, I just need you to tell me. Just tell me how you're feeling. I don't care how it comes out. Just tell me how you're feeling. And she's like, okay. And then like two days later, I was like, what did I do? Jesus, like mean stuff. I'm just saying, like, I'm just, but it's okay. I love her and she's awesome. And, and it's not too mean. It's, it's things that, it's how she's feeling. And, and I think that's valid. Like, that's actually really important. And, and here's why I'm connecting it to this idea is that, I know she's not disrespecting me. I know that sometimes that relationships in particular need proper communication, even if it's messy, so that we can grow deeper and not apart. Therefore, I'm okay with the tension a little bit when it's not even that much tension, like it's not even that bad. But like, if you hurt the way she talked to me, you'd be like, yo, what, what are you doing, Vanessa? Like... Even my son, like, he'll get in time, like, like, she'll be talking to me, and he'll be like, Mom, that's Dad. You can't talk to him like that. (laughs) Which I'm like, thank you, bro. Let's go get ice cream. Come on, let's do it. And in the same way, like, I'll talk to her, and I'll talk to her very straightforward, and, and he'll be like, Dad, you can't talk to Mom like that, right? And, 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 and so it can sound like it's rough, but in all actuality, it's not. It's, I'm giving her space to feel safe to express herself, not to everyone else, but to me, because I'm her husband, so there's a different level of intimacy and a different level of relationship. And what I'm trying to get to in the concept is this, is that that's how God sometimes needs to talk with us. And that's how sometimes we need to talk to God and we can't be scared of the confrontation because the confrontation actually brings depth and breakthrough. I want Vanessa to feel like she can be herself with me because that's what a husband should. If she can't talk to me, but she can talk to all her friends or her girlfriends about things, but she can't really talk to me, that's unhealthy, yo. There's going to be things she shares with her friends for sure that I don't need to hear everything, but, but she shouldn't feel like she can't talk to me. Does that make sense? And you shouldn't feel like you can't talk to God or you have to be someone you're not in talking to God. It's never going to work. You need to let go of that pride and that arrogance that tells you that you need to keep it all together and trust in Jesus. You need to humble yourselves before the Lord. Number three, all right? I got a few more. Number three, humility is a heart of teachability, 
but pride despises conviction and correction. Come on, let's go there. All right. Man, that's tough. Um, I said this first service. I didn't know if I want to say it, but I'll say it again. Um, I'm convinced in some ways, not just me, but other people as well. I've talked to pastors that a reason why a lot of people leave church is because they're not the lead pastor. Like the reason why people just bounce from church to church, which again, if that's you in this season, I pray you find a spot. Hopefully it's here, but if it's not, let's help you. But they just want to be the guy in charge. But the truth is, they're not the guy in charge or the girl in charge because God didn't call them. It's just the way it is. If God called them, they would be in charge. But they're not. And I think that's really important to understand and comprehend because how many times have we allowed pride and arrogance come into our heart because we think we're right versus actually walking things with people and talking through things and allowing ourselves to be corrected. I, I, and especially millennial culture, like y'all, millennials, if you're under the age of 35, I'm going to just put you on notice right now, okay? Like we have married the idea of correction and church hurt as if they're the same thing. And family, they're not. When a pastor calls you out, it's because he loves you. Now, some of you got called out in a very abusive way. That's real too. Like we've had conversations about that. We're not the church that's just like, we're just throwing things under the rug. If you know us, go through our YouTube channel. You'll find some things. But let's also be real. I've had conversations and even myself, I felt bitter toward leaders, not because they were wrong, but because it hurt my heart that they were right and they were challenging something that were actually a wound in me. Humility is married to teachability. You have to fall in love with being corrected if you really want to grow deep in Jesus. And I'm not even saying by pastors. That's a different conversation for another time. That's a whole different series. That's a whole different, that's a whole different thing. Can you just fall in love with being corrected by the Lord? That's what I'm, that's what I'm trying to get to. I'm using those other examples at some little things that I've experienced as someone in my life. But let me just go deeper. I think some of us, the reason why we don't pray is because we don't want the smoke from Jesus. Some of us, the reason why we don't worship is because we don't want him to tell us what we're doing wrong. And I want you to know that if you spend time with Jesus, he is absolutely going to tell you what you're doing wrong. So don't even believe that other lie that's like, well, God's just loving and he's just kind and he's just going to like coddle you and he's just, you know, just going to just hold you like a little baby. And it's like, bro, eventually God is like not cool with changing your diaper anymore. You know what I'm saying? He's going to grow you up. He will tell you what's up because it's in his nature to tell you what's up. Because he loves you, right? Hebrews talks about a father. A father that loves is a father that corrects. But some of us, we don't, that's why we don't pray. We are too prideful to get into the presence of Jesus because we're scared that he's going to call us out about what we did last night. And you know what? He is. What you need to do is get over it because on the other side, it's the goodness and kindness of God that leads men to repentance. So God's correction doesn't look like man's correction. And what you might be doing is you might be taking an abusive situation and thinking God's going to abuse you the way that person abused you. And that's not how he's going to abuse you because he will never correct you the way that person abused you. But at the same time, we have to get to, as people, if we want to be humble, we need to get to the place where we don't just like teachability. We love correction and and, and, and teachability. We have to fall in love with it. And the reason why we have to fall in love with it is because that's how... God begins to deepen the things of our heart. Again, 
let me just bring it full circle. I'm talking about you and Jesus in this moment. I'm talking about you in the place of prayer. I'm not talking about just people telling you what to do with your life. And there's, there's right people that God has called to, 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 to do those things, right? For sure, right? And, and there's, a, there's, a, there's a balance to that. I'm just talking with you and Jesus. Do you avoid God because you know you don't want him to correct you? And I'm telling you that if that's a reason, then you are struggling with pride and arrogance. I'm just trying to define what's going on in your heart. If I don't want to talk to Jesus because I know what I'm doing is wrong or I know I have the wrong attitude or I know I did this in the wrong time and da-da-da-da and this and that, I just think that's just a weak reason to not grow deeper with Jesus. When God wants to work that in us. A fool, Proverbs says, despises correction. I don't want to be foolish. I want to be foolish. I want, I want God to, like, like in Revelation, in, in the letters, right? He, he talks to, to all these churches. And in Revelation chapter 2 and Revelation chapter 3, he'll say, Church of Pergamum or Church of uh, Thyatira or, or Church of Laodicea, right? He's talking to all these churches and he says, You're doing great stuff. And this is kind of how the conversation normally goes. He says, he says Son, you're doing great, or Church, you're doing great, or, or Daughter, you're doing great, and, and you're doing this well, and you're serving well, and I'm glad you're in small group and, and you're doing this, but hey, I got this one thing against you. You got to work on that. And I want you to know that that's normal. I want you to know, even if you've been in a season where every time you come into the place of prayer, he's challenging you on things. Ooh, get ready, because he's going to do something deep. Because he doesn't waste on t- his time on people who don't really want to go deep with him in some ways. God loves us, and God wants to spend time with us, but he's going to strategically begin to call us out on things. Why? Because he wants to make us more like him, because that's the goal. How do we get there? God, help me to humble myself and show me what I'm doing wrong. God, convict me. God, help me to fall in love with conviction. God, correct me. Correct me. Right? That, I'm trying to get you there in your place of prayer. Does that make sense what I'm saying? You following me? I'm trying to get you there when you go to Jesus. Pride isn't getting in the way of Jesus actually doing the deep things in your heart. Number four is that humility surrenders control, but pride tries to control everything. I must say that for all the control freaks in the house. Your pride is getting in the way of your prayer life because you want everything the way you want it. And can I tell you that there, it's okay that there's an unknown aspect to the place of prayer and the place of God. Paul describes it as the mystery of the gospel. And unless, you know how many people I've heard, I'll just use this as an example. I've heard so many people leave churches because they don't play the right songs. And I always thought that's so funny. Like me personally, I'm like, that's weird. Because I thought it wasn't about the songs, it was about Jesus. Like, what does it matter as long as we're worshiping Jesus, right? And there's things, we we are so comfortable with controlling everything. And and then we take that into our prayer life. And this is what we do. We say, God, unless you do it this way, this way, this way, this way, this way, unless it's at this time, it's at this and this and that, and this and this, that. I'm not saying the schedule's bad. But what you begin to do is you begin to put parameters to God. And that's pride and that arrogance. You begin to put him back in the box that he was delivered from, from the Old Testament. God isn't interested in being in your box. 
and he never will be. Humility says, God, I don't know what's going on, but I trust you. God, I don't know what to do right now, but I trust you. God, I don't know what's happening, but I'm going to surrender. I'm going to let go. I'm going to give it to you. The doctor report's not good. The job is crazy. My kids are wilding out. I don't know what's happening, but God, it's not going to keep me away from prayer. It's going to get me to prayer, and I'm going to just give it all to you because, God, you're the only one that can do it. God, you're the only one that can do it. You're the only one that can heal and set free. You're the only one that can change. You're the only one. And what does that take? That, my friends, is what humility looks like. That I don't know, but God, you do. And let me surrender my pride and my arrogance. Because Jesus, I know that you're going to have all things together. You're going to have all things together. And so this is what I like to do before we close. Stay in your seat. Thank you again for tuning into our podcast. For more info, please visit our website at thrivelathrop.com. Have an amazing rest of your week.